Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Bible with Bordeaux. We are in the middle of the study of James. Today is part nine. We're going to be finishing up James chapter two, and we're discussing the most controversial topic in the book of James, which is faith without works being dead. Now, I think everybody's heard this. Everybody's debated it. Everybody's discussed. Hold on, wait. This means we need to keep the law. We need to keep the commandments or we are not saved. So we're going to talk about what all of that actually means, how it relates to Paul, how it relates to Jesus. We're going to be talking about a bunch of that stuff. So I hope this is going to be beneficial and fruitful for you. So let's go ahead and jump in and let's read the portion of scripture in which we will be discussing today. Let's dive into it. It's uh, starting with James chapter 2, verse 14. And we're going to read all the way through through the end of the chapter. Would make it easy on you. So, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If your brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food... And one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? Also, or so also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. But, or you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from your works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works, and but not by faith alone. That's probably the most controversial passage in all of James. Is that one statement? We'll read it again. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Mm. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, also faith apart from works is dead. So, let's dive into this controversial topic, right? Y'all ready? So, here James is really expresses the, the importance of our faith being shown by our actions, through our actions. James is continuing the statement from earlier when he was talking about not favoring the rich over the poor. And before that, taking care of the orphans and the widows. So it's if you have faith, you're going to have those works that, that kind of match up and line up with it. You're, he's expounding on that and going a little bit deeper. So if we claim to have, so if the faith we claim to have is not evident by our actions, then that faith might not be grounded in Christ. Can that faith actually save us? And can it be a helping hand in saving anyone else? I think James is saying no. I think James is saying if you don't have anything at all, 
that people can see as a result of your faith, you might not have true, genuine faith. Now, this is it's controversial. It's very controversial because how can we say whether or not someone else has faith in the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ? And James is reiterating, it's probably going to be by the fruit. And, and Paul and uh, Jesus, Jesus talks about that a little bit too. So, now Paul mirrors this in Galatians 5. And we see uh, Galatians 5, 6. Paul says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Right? So what he's saying, Galatians, if you haven't read that, Galatians is a whole entire letter to the church of Galatia. These are Gentiles who are being told by the Jewish leaders, hey, you got to become Jew in order to be saved. And you got to follow the Jewish laws, Jewish traditions, including circumcision. Paul is saying, no, you don't have to keep any form of law in order to be saved, is what he's saying. You don't have to become Jewish to be saved. That's what he's saying here. But it says, only faith working through love. So I think that's showing that your faith, true faith, is going to work its way out through love. And love is a, you know, it's a verb. You read 1 Corinthians 13. You see that love in Scripture is all action, is what it is. And so your faith should be have some sort of showing of action, showing of, of evidence, uh, true, genuine faith. Now, the love that Paul is talking about is what we actually do for Christ. So when we accept Christ and he is planted in our hearts, and it's like a seed. If that seed is alive, then it produces fruit, which in this case is work like itself. Now, if we say we have faith, but no works accompany it, it's dead. It doesn't nobody any good. It doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do our brothers and sisters in Christ any good. And it doesn't do the world around us any good if our faith is dead. Now, in verse 18, James uses a diatribe as he breaks down hypothetical argument that might occur. So, and he says, some people have faith, others have good deeds. And that's suggesting that the two are separate. It's like one person saying, hey, I got faith. And the other person saying, hey, I got good deeds. That, that's what a that diatribe means. And so, Jesus, uh, he pointed out himself, the importance in recognizing the Holy Spirit in them by their work. In John 10... To bring that up, John 10, 37 through 38, Jesus says, I am, uh, if I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. So for us, for us, if people don't believe what we say, right? If they don't believe our theology. They don't believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, they don't believe in the death, burial, resurrection, they don't believe these things from what we say and what we try to articulate with words and wisdom and intellect and knowledge and apologetics, then they should be able to see the fruit of our lives. There should be no uh, controversy there. They should be able to see the way we live our lives and say, now that, if, if nothing else they say, looking at what they do, that shows that whatever God that they're referring to, this matches the character of that God. 
And so, and what Jesus is saying is, even if you don't believe me, believe what I'm doing. See the work that I'm doing. See what I'm doing around you. You see the evidence right in front of your eyes. And in Jesus's case, the blind were healed, the deaf, the mute were healed, the lame were healed. All these healings were taking place. He was providing for the people around them with you know, fish and loaves and all these wonderful, great things that Jesus was doing. Pharisees really couldn't refute that. So what he's saying is, if you don't believe me because you got an issue with me, you can at least believe what I'm doing. And, and that should show you evidence. So that's what, that's what we're looking at here. Now, uh, Jesus also said in Luke, turn to Luke real quick, Luke 6, 43 uh, through 45, it says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Excuse me. So we're looking at good fruit, bad fruit. And, and this is where that idea, you know, a tree bears its own fruit. Now, I will say this, right? Whenever we're talking about uh, fruit, it is possible to fake fruit. I mean, you look at, you go into pottery places, they, they have the little the, the little bowl there with the fruit that they shaped and molded and put in there, and it looks like good fruit. But upon closer examination, you know it's not real, genuine, legit fruit. So even evil people can do some good deeds, but it's not coming from a true, genuine, godly place. It's coming from an expectation of the world around them. It's not coming out of the abundance of a root that's rooted in Christ. And, um, and, and, you know, even in scripture, we see work being preaching the word of God too. Uh, so that's, that's one work they're never going to have, at least not true, genuine work. Now, someone once said, and I heard this, I want to say it was in, uh, the Dallas Theological Seminary. They have some free classes that you can take. And back when I was studying this, I, I looked into that and I took that class. And, uh, and by the way, Dallas Theological Seminary, their free classes are amazing. They're wonderful. They are from more of the Reformed-leaning uh, theology. So if you have an issue with Reformed reform theology, I'd still recommend you listen to it because there's still some great information in there that isn't necessarily might be what you disagree with. Uh, I wouldn't call myself Reformed theologian, but I do agree with a lot of ideas and stuff that they do, especially when they're uh, doing exegetical teaching of the Bible. So anyway, so the teacher from that class, he said, faith alone justifies, but faith that justifies is never alone. And I thought it was a good quote. I thought it was fantastic. I really appreciated the wording of that. Now, true faith is always accompanied by good deeds. Now, some translations use the phrase good deeds to keep the idea separate from the Jewish law in which Paul you know, he had to convince some churches, including Galatians, not to place themselves under. Don't become, don't come under the law. Don't be a slave to the law because the law cannot save you. So we're, we're reiterating that here. He's talking about the good works that Jesus has prepared for us to do. And Paul actually talks about this in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good 
works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, if you think about it, if, if he created, if we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, we're created to actually do something, right? Every single one of us has a purpose in our lives. Our goal is to search the Holy Spirit, figure out what those are, and do them with his guidance and his help. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We can't fully do our purpose in life, our God-given purpose, without the Holy Spirit. Not to mass uh, effectiveness and efficiency. So he prepared beforehand good works for us to do that we should walk in them. And we also see in Titus, Titus 3.10, and I wanted to quote several of Paul just to make sure we're understanding uh, that James and Paul are not conflicting here. Titus 3.8, he says, The saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish, foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So, what we're seeing Paul here, he's differentiating good works and keeping the law. Good works and being Jewish, coming from a, the, the genealogy of the 12 tribes of Israel, does not put us in Christ automatically. It's faith in Christ that's what saves us. That is what redeems us. But we live out our lives with good works. So I hope that's clear. Now, jumping into verses 19 through 25, James then explains that having faith in God exists is not in itself great. Demons and Satan believe that God exists, or that God exists. He understands it. Even whenever Jesus came, and he said, wait, is it time yet? Is the end here? So they knew that Jesus was God. They understood that. And it was ironic because Jesus even told them, don't no, don't say my name. Don't tell anybody. Um, which is interesting when you read those accounts. Now, their knowledge of God makes them tremble. So that's something else too. Like demons and Satan, they understand who God is. And they tremble at it. They tremble at the idea of God. They understand the fullness of God. They don't follow him. They're not obedient to him. They rebelled against him, but they still tremble at the thought of God. Now, what separates our faith from theirs of the demons is how we act on it. We're obedient to Christ because we have faith in him and knowing that he has saved us. Now, James then uses Abraham as an example of what faith looks like. Now, Abraham had faith in God and what God directed him to do, so he went and offered his son as a sacrifice. Now, Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith being made complete by his obedience. And uh, the word complete in verse 22, I can't pronounce it, but it means to carry to the end. It means to, to you know, to, to, to live it out, right? Live it out into death. In Genesis 15, 6, We'll look at that real quick. Going to Abraham. Uh, God approaches them and he's telling them, you know, he's going to have a son. He's going to have an heir to his, uh, to the land and all that good stuff. And so in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, it says, 
And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, number the stars if you are able to number them. He said to them, or he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. He being God, counted it to Abraham as righteousness. So it was the faith of believing of what God said would happen. That's what made Abraham, that, that's what gave him the righteousness. Um, his faith became complete over in Genesis 22. Uh, in the story, whenever God tells him, he's like, hey, go and sacrifice your son. You, know, you think about it, God had promised him a son to carry on the uh, the nation of Israel, the God's people, the lineage of Christ, or the lineage that Christ would come from was coming through Abraham and his son. He had one legit son, Isaac. And now he's being told to go and sacrifice that that promise. Or the I guess the 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 way in which the promise would be lived out. And so he goes and he does it. And he believed that God would somehow still keep his word. And even in believing God, he still went to go sacrifice his son. And God said, Stop. Don't do it. And so the idea here is that even whenever we're looking at the promises of God that he gives us, we have to act on them no matter what, believing that they'll come true, believing that they're going to happen. Ultimately, obviously, uh, salvation. You know, we got to believe that Christ, he lived the perfect life. He kept all the law. He did all these things. God resurrected. Our faith is in him. That's how we are saved. And we live that out by doing what he told us to do. We go and disciple people. And we baptize them in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit, and uh, and we live out our God-given purpose because we believe that He has put us here, like Ephesians two ten says, to do the good works that He has um, predestined for us to do long before now. So, His faith can be complete there. Now we also see Rahab being referenced as well as being justified by doing right by the spies in Joshua two. So she was doing right by God's people and keeping them alive. And James uses the famous father of the faith. He uses Abraham. And then he uses a lowly prostitute to show that both of their actions were acceptable to God. So you don't have to be on some sort of pedestal. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to be the top-notch candidate in your class or whatever. doesn't matter. You can be the father, the top-notch that everybody knows. Or you can be somebody that nobody knows and that has lived a life of sin. But when you're obedient to God and you're faithful to Him, those actions are acceptable. If we're never acting in obedience to God in response to His promises, then no one will be blessed by it or be a witness to it. So if you say you have faith in Christ and you're not living anything out at all, whatever, we're not being a true witness to the gospel. We're not. We're not being appreciative or thankful or grateful for that gift and you know again this could be controversial because people are saying well hold on wait are you telling me that if i don't have good deeds if i don't have good works i'm not talking about the law i'm not talking about jewish law i'm just talking about the 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 expressing of our faith in christ by what we do for others and in service to god are we saved i don't know I mean, we see a lot of scripture that, that, that says that there's fruit, there's works that, that comes from it, that comes from a genuine faith. And so I would, I would pray God to start working through me. As a believer in Christ, I don't want to just be on the bench. 
I don't want to just be sitting on the side saying, okay, I'm on the team, I'm on the winning team. I'm just going to sit here and just let everybody else do everything. I'll get my trophy and go home. That just doesn't fly with me. If you're in that place where you feel like you can do that, pray that God changes your heart. Pray that he does because he, he, he wants us to be in the game. He wants us to be doing the work that he put us here to do. He wants all of us to have a contributing factor to his work being played out here on earth. And I'm not going to question your salvation. I'm not going to say you're not saved if you don't have works. But I would question uh, how dedicated you are to expressing your faith. Because that is played out through what we do for Christ. So, take a sip of water. So our good deeds are not a reflection of how great we are, but how great God is. We're showing how great God is. If, if, if we're given a brand new car, a brand new car with our parents, you turn 16, boom, brand new. You know, this is 2021. You get a brand new 2021 car that you always wanted. It doesn't show anything about how great you are. It shows how great the giver of that is. So we show everybody, we're like, look, my, my dad and my mom, my parents, whoever, my guardian gave me this brand new car. And it shows how great they are. If you just take it, hide it away, you don't show anybody at all, ever, nobody's going to be a witness to how great your father is or your, your guardian, whoever gave you the car is. So uh, that's another uh, example of, of, of what that looks like. Now, at the end of verse 24, James says we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Now, the word used for the phrase shown to be right with God is justified. Justified means to be declared righteous, not necessarily to be made righteous. So we are not righteous. We are declared righteous because of Christ. And our faith in action shows others that we have been declared righteous according to Christ's death and resurrection. So, in other words... You're going through school and you graduate, right? You've taken all the classes, all these things. And it's that the institution declares you, say you went to med school. You can go through all of med school and nobody is going to really understand that you're a doctor and that you had the proper training until they declare you a doctor. And so we are declared righteous, like we're, our faith and actions shows that we have been declared righteous. So we go out, the doctor goes out and he does doctor things. She does doctor things. They treat patients, they diagnose, prescribe medications, all that stuff. So that's the, that, that's kind of their, their works are showing that they were uh, faithful to their program and graduated. And so that's another example of what we're looking at here. And another term that shares the idea is used in, or yeah, Matthew 11. So we go there real quick. Matthew eleven eighteen through 19. For John came neither eating nor drinking and saying, uh, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they said, look at him. He is a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So, you know, people were saying this, that, and the other about them. It didn't matter because of what they did showed where they were getting, uh, or who they truly were. And so if you truly are saved, then our life will reflect that. Not just us saying that, but us showing that. 
the wisdom of God is shown through our deeds. So you, know, you can have all the wisdom in the book. You, know, you can have all the intellect. Well, I'll say this. Usually wisdom is shown by actions. So you know, I always tell people you can have as much intellect and head knowledge as possible. But what makes you wise is what you actually do with that. So godly wisdom is shown through our deeds. And so that's kind of just reiterating kind of the good works, the deeds that God has for us. Now, we only have um, we only have that wisdom of God because we have received the Holy Spirit. And so there are some things that, you know, a non-believer could read, get from the Bible and apply it to their lives. Uh, that's true, but it's the Holy Spirit that helps us really live that out uh, on a consistent basis to glorify God. And anybody else does it for themselves to serve themselves is for selfish reasons for the most part. Now, uh, Paul talks about the priority of faith. So when you're reading about Paul, he's reiterating. And you also got to think too, like Paul is talking to Gentiles. He's trying Paul's ministry was to non-Jewish audience. So he was trying to explain to them, you don't have to become Jewish to be saved. And James is telling the Jewish people, you were not just saved because of who you are. And so, but James is talking about the proof that you're saved is through your works. Now, there are three things that we get from Paul and James regarding faith and works. We're going to kind of combine those ideas and then go to verse 26. So the first thing we get from the two of them is grace plus works does not save. So that's what Paul says. It's, it's grace alone that we are saved. Faith without works does not save. So faith will have works accompanying it is what we're getting from these two. And then genuine faith results in works. So again, if you have genuine faith in Christ, there's going to be something in our life that's showing that in an expressive way. And so, and there's not, and I think the thing is we don't have like a, a guideline. We don't have a list that says, okay, you're a believer, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this to prove that you're a believer. We don't have that kind of a list. It's just showing that that somebody somewhere should look at your life and say, wow, there's something different about them. Wow, I see something that's extraordinary being lived out in their life. They're very faithful, they're very passionate, they're very giving, they're very whatever reflects Christ. And it amazes me because it's it's nothing like I've seen in other people or other non-believing people. So that's what we're looking at. Verse 26, uh, as much as our body needs the spirit to really live, our faith needs works to be alive. And so without works, we are useless Christians. We're, we're useless. So, you know, I tell people all the time, that if, if, if our only goal was to get to heaven, then as soon as we accept Christ, somebody should put a gun to our head and just take us out. We can go straight to heaven. But even Paul, Paul talks about, he says, look, I'd much rather be with the Father right now. I don't want to be here on earth doing all this stuff, but I do it for you. He's working so others can learn about the grace of God. So that others can be saved. He's working out his faith. Otherwise, if it was just a matter of having faith, like if, if having faith was the only reason we were here, just to have faith and accept Christ and get our ticket to he uh, heaven, 
then we shouldn't want to be around anymore. We should want to go be with the Father. We should want to go be in heaven. But no, we're called to do something here. We are called to make disciples. The disciples in the early church, they were busy preaching the gospel, making disciples, doing good works. And we should also be sharing the gospel, making disciples with those around us, and doing the work God has assigned us to do, and to have a complete life. So, what are we looking at here? Round this up real quick. Faith, grace, uh, or grace by faith is how we're saved. Ephesians 2.8. It's a gift from God. God gives us grace. We accept it by faith. That is how we are saved. Right after that, Ephesians 2.10, we're saved for. And so we see a lot of what Jesus talks about in Matthew. You got the parable of the talents. Sorry to my folks who love talking about money. That's not really talking about money specifically. Yes, that's an example. Yes, we should be good stewards of our income. And yes, we should grow it. I don't think we should just splurge it away. I think we should be wise and invest in all those kind of things. The purpose of that and, and all of that in Matthew, that section of scripture, is talking about what are you doing with what I gave you? That's God talking to us. What are you doing with what I gave you? When the master returns and he sees that his people have done good things and have grown, we have grown the church by making disciples. We have grown uh, the wisdom of God throughout the people, all these things. That's when he will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I've often heard, well done, thy, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Being something that God says whenever we get to the pearly gates. Like, you're saved, well done. And people say that he was talking to Jesus because Jesus was a servant that did well, not us. This scripture, that piece of that verse is talking about what Christians do whenever Jesus comes back and he sees what were they doing while I was away. What are we doing? How are we expressing this faith, this wonderful faith in a wonderful God and a gracious God who has saved us from eternity and hell, given us eternal life that we can begin to live out here on earth until we go to be with the Father in eternity. What are we doing to show that? That's what James is, is more focused on. What he's saying is salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. Salvation is something that we work out. Paul says, work out your salvation. This is what this means. It's not saying you have to add works to faith, to be saved. It's saying if you're truly saved, you're going to show fruit. That's the idea we get here in at the end of chapter 2 of James. So I hope that was somewhat, gave a little bit of clarity, a little bit of help to understanding, looking at what Paul said, what Jesus said, what James said. I hope if you have any questions, let me know. Put them in the comments, send them to me directly, however you want to ask them. I will try to address them if I need to, to give some clarity. I uh, want to let you know I did a video on hell, almost an hour long breakdown of what hell is. Is hell really real? What does it look like? Who's going there? Who's not going there? And why it matters because it does matter. Go check that out if you haven't yet. If you ever had questions about hell, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of new age ideas about hell. There's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say there's a traditional view, which I would hold more of the traditional view based on scripture. And then there's another view that is like half traditional, 
half new age, if that makes sense. So go check it out. Love to hear your thoughts on that stuff. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'm posting this on a Thursday. Uh, obviously, in the future, it'll be whenever. Don't forget, this show is also available on podcast format. So if you don't want to have YouTube open to listen to this, you can go and check it out on podcast. And I'll see you next time. Uh, not sure what the next video will be, but it'll be up within a few days, hopefully so. So thank you so much, and God bless.